0: Detmers pass. Touchdown eagle.
1: Irving Fryer.
0: Marvin'll go down as a beautiful catch, but I don't think
1: he was throwing to Irving Fryer. Irving Fire, the one time
0: Miami Dolphin, with his second touchdown of the season.
1: Hey, I'm Mike. And I'm Daniel. And we are Civil Youth, and you are listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia.
0: These are just emotions,
1: coming through the motions.
0: They make it seem like I'm the only one. This is my moment to break free, to lock the door and throw the key from whatever is holding.
1: So the Eagles are coming off two straight losses in games that a lot of us thought they should have won, and here we are looking to have to run the table, and what a lot of people are calling a get-right game at the perfect time against the Miami Dolphins. Welcome back to Eagles Enemies, ladies and gentlemen, right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia, and I am thrilled to uh, be joined by the one and only Cameron Wolf. He covers the Dolphins for ESPN. He, uh, he's also from South Jersey, so that's another added bonus to this episode. Cameron, how's it going, man? Thanks for joining the show.
0: Doing well. How are you doing?
1: Uh, Eagles fans have been doing a lot better recently. Uh, you know, the sky is falling at a rapid pace. People want Carson Wentz gone, but uh, how's everything down in Miami? You know, the 2-9 Dolphins, a lot of people claiming that this team was openly tanking and then they end up winning two games. Uh, what's kind of the vibes down with this Miami Dolphins team with kind of the expectations of knowing this year wasn't going to be uh, one for success?
0: Yeah, no, it's been a weird year for, I think, a lot of fans because they've sort of been mired in mediocrity for the last 10 years. they finished anywhere from 6-10, and 10-6 and for the last 10 years. So this year they decided that, hey, we're going to do this all over. We're going to you know essentially rebuild to the ground first. Um, so early in the season it was all about the the tank and they had a bunch of embarrassing losses and they started 0-7 and then they were able to right the ship a little bit with two straight wins there were some fans worried about the draft pick stock going down uh, other fans thinking that it's a great sign for Brian Flores that he can get some wins with this roster and then as late they've kind of fell back into their uh, tank-like ways so to speak and, and haven't performed up to snuff so yeah I think a lot of the focus is on 2020 this team has three first-round picks. Um, they're clearly looking towards the future and trying to find their future quarterback. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is driving driving the, the truck and, and trying to get him to the end of the season.
1: Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick, like you said, is the starter right now, and uh, everybody thought that this opportunity that was going to be given to Josh Rosen was, you know, that fresh restart button. Right. How has that trade kind of panned out looking at it now from, you know, when it happened? What do you expect the, the future to be in Miami with Josh Rosen?
0: Well, looking at it now, the trade didn't work. Um, they, they were hoping that he could give a, give them a one-year tryout to see if he could potentially be the answer, and that tryout lasted essentially three games. You know, he got benched. Um, he he was, essentially was, uh you know, Fitz was a starter week one, and then they benched Fitz for, for Josh, and Josh had three starts, and it didn't go well. And I think the Dolphins have decided at this point, that he's not their quarterback of the future, and that's why they're going with Fitz. They want to go with the guy who they think gives them the best chance to win. So, you know, for the second consecutive year, you know, Josh Rosen has been dealt a really bad hand, and I just don't see much of a future for him in Miami that the team thinks they've seen enough of him through practices, through camp, through games, and I think there's probably a good chance he gets traded again this offseason. So the Dolphins are definitely in the market for a new quarterback. I just don't think Josh Rosen is going to be a part of their future.
1: Is it a bummer for Dolphins fans seeing Ryan Tannehill have the success he's having in Tennessee right now?
0: I think it's been a little weird for them because a lot of a lot of Dolphins fans were Tannehill fans but the problem with Tannehill is they always wanted more it was never that he was a bad quarterback it's just that he never took them over the hump so you know if tennessee was able to get to the playoffs and maybe even win a playoff game then i think dolphins fans would definitely have a sour stomach but right now they this is one of the, the the ups of the ryan Tannehill roller coaster that they've seen um so i don't think they're too bummed out yet but things may change if the titans are still playing this way going into december
1: now one bright spot has been uh as of late, at least has been Devonte Parker. He's kind of come back onto the scene performing at a level that I think a lot of people expected from him for where he was drafted. Uh, what have you personally seen from him that he's been able to kind of, you know, find this stride here with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm?
0: Yeah. I mean, this is the best season of his NFL career. And a lot of people around here were throwing around the B word bust, um, you know, because he just wasn't up to snuff for what he had expected to be early in his career. And they, they brought him back on a team-friendly two-year deal this offseason, essentially just saying, we'll give him one more chance to see if, he, if he's got it. And he's responded. The biggest thing for him is staying healthy. And he stayed healthy. He started every game this season. Um, he's been able to really uh, work on his body, work on his on his route running, and you've seen him win on one-on-one on one on one on one coverage. And he's looked like that you know, that receiver they drafted in the first round. He's on pace for a 1,000-yard season, um, something he hasn't come close to Doing in his career, um, I think he's already at a career high in receiving. So I think he, he's he's in a position where um, you know everything's looking bright for him. Um, he appears to be a part of their future going forward. And with their receiving core getting banged up with injuries from Preston Williams to Albert Wilson to Ja'Keem Grant, he's become Ryan Fitzpatrick's favorite target, and I expect him to be uh, that way again on Sunday.
1: Now the passing game is is working to an extent, but the running game is at you know historic paces for all the wrong reasons. Uh, tell me a little bit about you know Bellage and what he's somehow accomplishing. Um, you know, with the potential to have the the lowest yards per carry rate in NFL history.
0: Yeah, you talk about. Uh, some Eagles fans turning on Carson Wentz man I, I don't think it's anything like Dolphins fans have turned on Kalen Bludge um, it has been uh, definitely a, a a rough year for him he's got 1.9 yards per carry the Dolphins, I wrote a story about this earlier this week, the Dolphins are averaging 63 yards per game, which would be the lowest since the 1946 Detroit Lions. So they're in really, really bad territory with their running offense. Um And Kalen Balaj obviously is their lead back after they traded away King and Drake, after Mark Walden was cut. for, um And I think you're just looking at a situation where there's big changes that are going to be coming in the offseason with the offensive line. I think they're probably going to need at least three, maybe four new starters up front. And they're definitely going to have to find a new starting running back. So this unit is just trying to make it make it by. Um, but but it's not a unit where the Dolphins have been able to get any success throughout the year. So uh, expect them to be pass-happy again Sunday. They're probably going to try to establish to run early. Um, but if they can't do it, then it'll have to be Ryan Fitzpatrick's arm uh, that keeps them in the game.
1: Now Ryan Fitzpatrick played against uh, a big chunk of this Eagles defense last season when he was with Tampa Bay. Uh do you think his kind of, you know, familiarity with who is on this defense is going to be a positive for him?
0: oh yeah Fitz. i mean the funny thing about Fitz is he's played probably against every team in the league in some capacity throughout his career he's he's the most traveled quarterback i think in league history um so he he's got a little taste of everybody and you know the intangible the, the intangibles of Fitz is what always makes him intriguing you know i, I was watching last game they played against the uh, the buffalo bills and they ended up losing that game um and uh, but but Fitz had a, a TD run. I'm sorry, it's Cleveland Browns. And Fitz had a TD run where he's pumped up. They're down 17, and he's just, everybody around him is just pumped, and you just see that sort of energy. So yeah, I think that his legs, his arm, his ability to make plays will will test the Eagles' D. Um, but there's just not a lot of talent on this team, so. You mentioned it at the top of this this pod, but I think this is a get-right game for the Eagles. I know they've struggled offensively, but the Dol- Dolphins' defense has a lot of holes that they can exploit. And the Dolphins' offense is honestly running out of parts to, to really test teams. So if the Eagles can't get right this game, then they may never get right.
1: One thing on that Dolphins' defense, though, that at least I've seen from some of uh, your tweets and retweets and from the Dolphins' account, Is Taco Charlton's really kind of, you know, found his place after not having a lot of success early on with the Cowboys in his career? He's come to Miami and he's kind of, you know, found his niche. Uh, Were you surprised to see the success uh, we've seen so far from Taco in a Dolphins uniform?
0: I think that's been one of their, 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 I guess, small gem finds that they found. He's a waiver claim that Dallas cut earlier this year and he leads the Dolphins in sacks and he's only played, I think, five or six, maybe six games for the team. Um, and he still leads them in sacks. That's probably a statement to their lack of pass rushers. They don't really have any, any type of, uh, pass rushers at all. Women's defense, but Tycho Charlton has kept immediately made himself a starter and he's kind of, um, made himself a guy who could come back next year and and compete for a role in this defense so i think it has been a good find for for them and um obviously taco's familiar with this eagles um this eagles front so i'm sure there will be some some talking up front on that matchup because of those nfc east battles um but yeah it's gonna be uh for whether it's um whether it's you know uh lane johnson on that right side or andre dillard or or a uh, big v i think that you know taco charlton's gonna have a have a chance to to win with his spin move a few times on Sunday and try to get to Carson.
1: What's your assessment of Brian Flores been in year one so far? Obviously, the Dolphins moving on from Adam Gase, and we all know, you know, he's had his, uh, you know, ups and downs in this league, including this year with the Jets. But year one of Brian Flores so far as we get set for the final month of the regular season, uh, what can you kind of say about how he's uh, been able to handle the situation that he's been put in in year one?
0: I think this will. This is going to be the most difficult year, and it has been the most difficult year of, of Brian Flores' career, just with everything he had to deal with as far as you know the roster, how it was, all the sudden trades a week before the season, um, you know, getting rid of Laramie Tunsil, getting rid of Kenny Stills, and and um, you know Mika Fitzpatrick, a lot of these players who are supposed to be core pieces, um, and having to respond to that, having to respond to the tanking conversation, zero and seven, um, and you know one thing about this Dolphins team, they don't have a lot of talent but they haven't quit. They play hard every week. I talk to opponents after the game. and They they always talk about how hard they play, um, you know, despite whatever talent they have. So I think that's a testament to Brian Flores. And we don't know how great of a coach he's going to be, but I think he's shown some signs at this point um, that he has some chops to to stick at this spot and to have some success. So, um, you know, next year they'll have more talent and and we'll really get to see who he is, but um, I think he's shown, you know, Some of the culture he wants to build here And he's also shown that he's not He's not a Bill Belichick clone Which is what a lot of these coaches um, Often find themselves getting in trouble with So um, I'm excited to see what he does You know going forward Uh, But I have seen some strong signs this year
1: Do you think any of these trades That the Dolphins made for these first round picks Whether it was Minka Fitzpatrick Laramie Tunsell And also moving on from Kenny Stills obviously Do you think they've worked? Obviously the draft picks are are a crapshoot right now We don't know what they'll be But in terms of seeing the success that, you know, especially Laramie and, uh, you know, Minka have had with their new teams, is it frustrating for Dolphins fans to know that they just leave Miami and these guys are, you know, super successful? Or is it just kind of, you know, in terms of uh, the 76ers trusting the process?
0: Yeah, I think that there definitely is some frustration, particularly with Minka, when you can see his success uh, as far as interceptions, as far as forced fumbles, the playmaking ability. I think he's going to be a pro bowler this year, and he's a guy who they just drafted last year. So I think that one hurts him more than anything, um, just because he was supposed to be a part of when they were good. Um, But the Dolphins are selling hope, you know, sort of like the 76ers era process. They're selling the draft picks. They're selling the future. Um, And they're going to have three first round picks next year. So I think that they're, you know, Dolphins fans have been really leaning on that. And if they can get their franchise quarterback, then I think Dolphins fans will forget about some of the pains of losing Minka and losing Laramie. So um, yeah, during the season, I think it hurts a lot. And there's a lot of um, second guessing about whether those were the right moves and, um, you know, whether they should have moved the players when they did. Um, But I think ultimately those picks are the prize uh, for the Dolphins, and, and you know, in April they'll get to see what what they're going to open up.
1: Was the Akeeb Talib trade a surprise to you? Because I think uh, no. a lot of people questioned it yeah. just because it was more of an NBA trade, where the right. the Dolphins essentially bought the draft pick by bringing in Talib. Uh, what were your thoughts on that move?
0: No, I I think you're exactly right. I think it was the Dolphins' GM. He actually mentioned to us the day before they were willing to be buyers um, if the numbers look right, and a lot of us raised our eyebrows. But when you think about it, you know, this is a team that did something similar this offseason when they traded Ryan Tannehill to Tennessee. Um, they traded, you know, they got a they traded they got a fourth round pick in exchange, and essentially they redid Ryan Tannehill's contract and ate about seven seven million dollars worth of his deal to get that fourth round pick, and it's worked out for Tennessee. And Miami would say it worked out for them because they were going to cut him otherwise. So it's not something that's uh, unfamiliar. They did the same for a keep, essentially buying a fifth round pick um the never going to play for this team um but i think they were, it was a situation where they had the cap space they're going to have a projected over 100 million dollars in cap space next off season. so they say hey is a four for a fifth round pick worth four or five million and their answer was yes so whether you agree about the value of the pick that's another question but i think for them they value picks um and they're going to do everything they can to load up in that department as they try to rebuild this team
1: now this is the final time the Eagles will get on an airplane this season, and thankfully it's in the month of December and it's down to Miami. Um, overall, looking at how these two teams match up, and we obviously know the Dolphins lack talent on that defensive side of the ball. Uh, how do you kind of view from a you know a Dolphins pers- perspective, uh, Carson Wentz finding you know success against a, a team where he's struggled mightily this year, and you know that's. Right. You know, It's obvious on the field and a lot of fans are, are frustrated with him. A lot of fans right now are, are ready to turn the page on him. Uh, I am nowhere close to that, but to to find that success again for Carson Wentz, obviously with a, a depleted roster too due to injury, uh, how do you see him finding success against this Miami defense?
0: Yeah, I'm actually a big Carson Wentz fan as well. I think he's, he's a good quarterback, and I know it's been a down year for him. But like I mentioned earlier, I think this is a get right game for him. You know, I saw something earlier that he might get you know Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar back, and I'm sure that would help along with getting Lane Johnson back. And um, you know, I don't know if Jordan Howard's close, but I think for for this matchup for him, you look at. He, he's really got a choice of, of how he wants to attack this team, and the, the Eagles do as well. The Dolphins have one of the worst um, rushing defenses in the NFL. Um, they lost both of their starting safeties last last week, so they're down in the defensive backfield. They had a lot of trouble with communication issues last week. Um, so I, if I was the Eagles this week, I would keep it simple. You know, I wouldn't try to make anything too complex or come up... This extravagant scheme. I would go back to what worked for you. You know, trying to pound the ball on the ground and run it, and get back into play play action game and challenge these uh, these DBs man to man. And I think that the Eagles, even with their depleted um, receiving core, should have some success in that in that area. So I think you know turnovers has been the big thing that have kept the Dolphins in the game because they're a very disciplined team as far as penalties. Um, and if they can get turnovers um and 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 not turn the ball over themselves and play disciplined football, that's how they stay in game. So for the Eagles, they can't have five turnovers like they did last week. They keep take care of the ball. If they score, you know, twenty-four twenty-four points, they should be in good position uh to win this game on Sunday.
1: Now, if I'm not mistaken, this is also going to be uh Jay Ajayi's return to Miami for the first time since he mm-hmm. was traded to the Eagles in twenty seventeen and uh, from the outside looking in, from the uh, the Miami perspective, there was a lot of you know weird reports about Jay in that locker room. Do you think if Jordan Howard doesn't suit up for this game, there's going to be a lot of extra motivation for Ajayi to uh, go and show up his former team?
0: There there may be, but I think some a lot of Jay Ajayi's uh, issues were with Adam GaSe who's the former coach, now the Dolphins, he, he coaches the Jets. So I think that, you know, there's probably, there's obviously some players in that locker room that were there with Jay um, and some of the people in the front office are still the same. But I think, you know, I think from from my understanding, Jay's main issue and 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 the main issue between the two was between Adam Gates. So, um, yeah, there probably will be some, you know, fun, some trash talk here and there, but I don't think it'll be super hostile given that a lot of the key parts from both sides have kind of moved on a bit.
1: How do you kind of view the the matchup of the Eagles' secondary against Devontae Parker, knowing he's the number one receiver this stretch he's been on? He's a big, physical wide receiver. How do you view him matching up against guys like Ronald Darby or Jalen Mills?
0: I think they're going to really test uh, what the Dolphins have d- done a lot this season is throwing up those 50-50 balls. So there's going to be opportunities for the DBs to make plays, but there's also going to be some chances where they're going to have to play uh, really sound at the point of the point of the ball. And you know, I know that. Given where the Dolphins' receiving core is, there's a chance they don't have Albert Wilson or Jakeem Grant this week. They they currently only have two healthy receivers on the roster. Um, so I think that, you know, you'll probably see some shade coverage on Devontae. I wouldn't be surprised if they, they throw some double teams this way just because there's no other option on this Dolphins' offense that really scares you. Um, but yeah, they're going to try to get. Uh, Devontae Parker open they've moved him a little bit more as a move receiver this year, uh, moving him into the slot or moving him on crossing routes so they'll try to test the middle of the field see if they can get him on a linebacker see if they can get him on a safety and see if he can win those matchups so that'll definitely be their go-to weapon this week and, you know, I think if the Eagles stop stopped Devontae Parker, then they should have uh, plenty of success stopping this Dolphins offense.
1: Two healthy receivers. It sounds a lot like the Eagles roster as well. <laughs> um, but if you look at this uh, Eagles receiving core, and obviously we don't know for sure if Alshon Jeffrey will be out there or Nelson Aguilar, not like he can catch the ball anyway. Um, but we have Greg Ward, who kind of just burst onto the scene last week, and he's kind of a speed-shifty receiver how does that match up if Greg Ward's in the slot kind of, uh, you know, balance against these Dolphins' corners?
0: Yeah, the Dolphins have been moving a lot of parts after they lost their safety. So, you know, I think they are you'll probably see Jawan Woltz playing a lot in the slot. Um, these are, these are uh, younger corner, second-year corner that they got from New England um, off waivers earlier this uh, offseason, and I think he'll be the guy that really handles that slot coverage. Um, but the Dolphins do a lot of multiple scheme um, with their defense, so you'll probably see some of the safeties come down in the box, and you'll see some of the safeties move into the slot and, and play slot coverage. You'll see them switch between a 3-4 and a 4-3, so they'll switch it up, so it won't be one particular guy. But if you're looking for who's that slot matchup, more times a night, it'll probably be Jamal Wills, um, who's had an up-and-down year on Greg Ward.
1: Now, Fletcher Cox has really kind of, you know, started getting back into being who Fletcher Cox really is, and I think that's been a big benefit to Brandon Graham on the outside edge, where he's had seven-and-a-half sacks in the last seven games. I think Brandon Graham is a huge X factor in this game. How do you view this uh, Dolphins offensive line that you said? You know, a lot of moving parts as well kind of matching up against this Eagles defensive line that has these heavy hitters across the board.
0: Yeah, the, this offensive line has been up and down throughout the year, and they came off a game two games ago where they allowed eight sacks to the Buffalo Bills. So they can definitely be exposed. And you know, I know the the Eagles' pass rush had a really good game last week, even in the loss against Seattle. So I know they should be pinning their ears back, especially because the Dolphins are essentially one dimensional from from snap one because of how porous their run game has been. So um, if the Eagles can get up early, you know, seven nothing, ten the lead, they should really give them chance themselves a lot of chances to to attack the passer. You know, this offensive line has, has struggled, you know, for to contain the edge rushers. So I'm sure Brandon Graham will, will have a handful or be a handful for their right tackle, Jesse Davis. Um and on the left side they've had Julian Davenport who um You know, spent most of the first half of the season on IR, and he's just coming back at left tackle, and he's also been a guy who can be exposed at times. So both of the the Dolphins' edge rushers um, should have some success. I mean, the Eagles' edge rushers should have some success against the Dolphins' front, and, you know, I'd be surprised if the Eagles don't walk away this game with three, four, maybe even more sacks.
1: Now one guy that intrigues me on this Dolphins roster and he just hasn't really hit that stride yet is uh, tight end Mike Jacecki. How do you view him in this offense where it's up and down? He'll have a, a huge game and then just come back down to earth and not really you know, put up the stats that you see from the type of tight end a lot of people thought he would be coming out of Penn State. How do you kind of view his, uh, his role in this game going up against this Eagles defense, knowing that Devontae Parker is truly potentially the only uh, you know, real receiving threat? Do you see Jacecki kind of having a, a niche role in this uh, scheme against the Eagles defense?
0: Yeah, they've tried to use Mike Aseki a lot more this year, especially um when they're attacking the middle of the field in the red zone and third down situations. He's actually having a pretty decent year from what he had done his uh first first two years of his career, but um you know, the thing with him is is he's he's a receiving tight end, you know, blocking gives him his strength. So a lot of times when he's in the game it's sort of a tell for what they're trying to do because he he really doesn't hold up well as a blocker so you know in specific situations i think he'll definitely be a weapon like i mentioned red zone third down um those type of key situations when you know it's obviously pass and he could be a weapon um he's you know he's an athletic player he's got really good um you know uh hopping ability so if you can get him in in one-on-one situations with the linebacker particularly and even against a safety then he should have some success so you know the the eagles definitely can't forget about him. um he's not going to be a guy who, you know, goes off for 150 yards but he's he's a guy who's definitely uh someone they need to look at for uh, especially in the red zone.
1: Who would you view as kind of your X factor from a Dolphins perspective in this game that could, you know, potentially give the Eagles a scare in this one whether it's on the offensive or defensive side of the ball uh you know that could potentially help the Dolphins continue this Eagles uh losing streak that uh they are currently on.
0: Yeah, one guy I'd probably say is you know uh, Patrick Laird. This their backup running back. He's an undrafted kid out of uh, Cal, and I know that I said earlier their running game has really struggled. But he has been a guy who's shown a little bit in a small role. Um, He's more of a pass catching back, but he's got really limited snaps and um, as a runner. And Dolphins fans have been calling for him for weeks, and he got his biggest snap uh, share last week. And I think he'll continue um, to see his role ascend. Um, He's a guy they try to use in you know a little bit more of a daring. Sproles role, where you know they throw him out of little screens and swing passes and you know arrow routes, and then they get him on occasional draws. He's a smaller guy, but he's tough, um, and I think that if they really lean on him and use him as a weapon, he could be a guy that they try to get on on maybe some of their linebackers uh, one-on-one and he could try to help them move the ball effectively um, and create sort of that short running game even if it comes through the air so he's probably an x-factor for me a guy we haven't seen a ton of uh, but he can be a guy that can you know change the game for the Dolphins if they utilize him uh, correctly.
1: How do you view this Dolphins defense kind of attacking a guy like Miles Sanders who is that dual threat running back he can run the ball he can catch it out of the backfield he can go out and line up as a wide receiver, uh, how do you view the defense kind of attacking Miles Sanders?
0: Yeah, I think that Miles Sanders is probably going to be a big focus for them, you know. Like I said, this run defense has been exposed by just about everybody they've played this year. So, you know, they they've got to bunker down and stop him just as a pure running back. And then I you know, I've watched a couple of Eagles games and seen how they've used him particularly as a receiving threat down the field, you know, whether it's the wheel routes they use him on or um some of those other deeper routes, even when he's lining up in the slot. I think that's something that um, would we'll give any defensive coordinator some fits because you know you, you've got a situation where most running backs are covered by linebackers and there's no yeah. linebacker on this roster even even Jerome Baker who's a, a pretty decent player who's probably going to be able to go man to man on Miles Sanders and, and feel comfortable about that matchup so I think you'll probably see them you know uh, have a safety looking out over him whenever he's going out deep in the backfield and I, I think you'll see them uh, flare a lot of different guys at him and try to get him off his game off his game especially as a receiving back so he'll be a big focus point for them this week as well as Zach Ertz
1: how do the Eagles end up winning this game Cameron give Eagles fans you know that sigh of relief that they're gonna get off of this uh you know this bad two game stretch and uh start putting some wins together uh starting this Sunday against the Dolphins
0: yeah I think for the Dolphins you you get on them early because it's a team that's really um, been able to hang around games in the first half. And when you let them hang around, and that's when they can play a four quarter game and, and make it down to the wire. I think if the Eagles are able to come out, you know, first quarter, be able to run the ball effectively and not even score touchdowns, but just get some points on the board, get the, get things flowing, um, to the point where they can, you know, get the Dolphins defense his offense in a, in a real pass happy situation where they can get their pass rush going then I think the Eagles can have a really great day you know um, whether they're Alshon Jeffrey and, and Nelson Aguilar return or not I think this Eagles team has a lot of advantages particularly up front in the trenches um, they can really wear on this defense so I'd say this uh, this should be a, a meat and potatoes game I think Andy Reid used to say that meat and potatoes um, this should be a meat and potato game for the, the the Eagles because they have an advantage on both sides of the trenches so whether it's running the ball with Miles Sanders whether it's um, you know creating those play action situations where they can uh, use their run their run threat to open up some one-on-one situations I think they should be able to to get that offense back on track um, and get themselves a really comfortable win um, down here in
1: Miami on Sunday. Cameron you're the best one doing it covering this Dolphins team let everybody know where they can read all your stuff for ESPN, follow you on social media, and I know you have your Periscope show as well. Let everybody know when they can tune into that.
0: Yeah, man, um, I'm I'm on Uh ESPN.com. also on Twitter and, uh, at Cameron Wolf with the E at the end of the Wolf. Um, you know, post articles on there every week. And yeah, I do a Howling with the Wolf show um, every Thursday. We may uh, hold it off this week because it's Thanksgiving. Uh, but typically every Thursday, I'm uh, on there talking football, talking Dolphins, talking uh, whatever the people want to talk. So um, if you guys want to check it out, I'll be happy to answer some Eagles questions on there as well.
1: You're the best, man. You're our Dolphins go to. And uh, whenever these teams match up again, we'd love to have you back on the show. All right, thank you. Well, there you have it, Eagles fans. It sounds like this is the get-right game for the Birds, the meat-and-potatoes game, or maybe since it's right before Thanksgiving, the turkey-and-potatoes game for this Eagles team. Just do the basics. Stick to the fundamentals, and they should be able to come out of this game with a big get-right win against a 2-9 and nine Dolphins team that is looking to lose. They are trying to tank. They are trying to rebuild this team And that's what you got to do. Just stick to the fundamentals. It doesn't matter who's out there for Carson Wentz. Carson just needs to focus on what he's able to control, go out there and dominate the day down in Miami, and get this team back on track. This is the last time they'll get on a plane all season long. Just go out there, do your job, know your role. I think this is going to be a big game that Eagles fans that have been bashing Carson, been bashing Doug, and been bashing this team for the past couple weeks. They'll be like the Homer Simpson gif, hiding back into the bushes. And I think it's going to be a big Eagles win on Sunday to kick off this, this month of December to, to help win the division for this team. So it's going to be very exciting to finally have a victory Monday in our back pocket, but the Eagles have to take care of business and not overlook this Dolphins team and let them hang around like Cameron said. Should be a good one. We're looking forward to a hopeful victory Monday come December 2nd. As always, guys, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Underground Phi. You can follow me at KBIZZL311. Shout out to the AOL Instant Messenger for the screen name switching over to the Twitter handle. And then make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know where you are mentally with this Eagles team, how you're feeling and what they need to do to get back on track against this Miami Dolphins team. You can follow us on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app. You can follow and stream us on iHeartRadio, and you can also subscribe on the Radio.com app. Guys, let's go beat the Dolphins, shut a bunch of these haters up, and get back to what we know as Eagles football. This has been another edition of Eagles Enemies right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. Thanks again to the man Cameron Wolf for coming on the show. And after this one, guys, it should be a fun little stretch as we get set for the, uh, the race to win the NFC East and get set to take on the Giants on Monday Night Football. Our guest, you know him well, he'll be back. But until then, take down the Dolphins and let's get back on the winning track. Go, birds. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good Thanksgiving, everybody. Peace.